I'm thankful for God and my family. My family and my great-grandma that died. I'm thankful for video games. I'm thankful for my school and pizza. My friends and family. For food and my dog. I'm thankful for baseball. I'm thankful for my school and my friends. God and my friends. I'm thankful for Kitty. I'm thankful for Bunny. For my parents and and my family and my friends. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my mom and dad. I'm thankful for my dance team, my dance teacher, Miss Heather, and French fries. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for my friends and my community. I'm thankful for pizza. Yeah! Who's not thankful for pizza, right? Hey, we have so many things to be thankful for. Why don't you take a minute, turn around, talk to someone in the room, uh, maybe go across, find someone, let someone know what you are thankful for. Go. All right. Hey, good job. Good job. You're like, Tyson, this is Halloween. It's not even November yet. It is good to give thanks to God. Amen. It is just something that we need to, uh, to do. It is God's will for you to give him thanks. That's, and you fulfilled that today as we praised him, as we spent this time uh, giving him thanks for things already. I'm thankful for you. On behalf of the staff, and the elders, we're thankful for the church family, the way you uh, uh, encourage one another, the way you um, serve the, the, the kingdom of God, the way you pray for the, the staff and the elders. We are thankful for you. I'm also thankful that this church is a church of five generations of believers. I love the fact right now there is a young believer on the floor coloring her Jesus book right in front of me as I preach. That's the way it should be. I'm thankful that there are generations that are, have have. Uh, shared the faith with one generation after another. Last week, we saw that our church is continuing to grow young. While we have to admit, and this was true of first service and it's true of this service, we are maturing. If we're honest with ourselves, all of us are, are aging, growing older. But as we share our faith with the next generation, the church continues to grow young. Last week, you could see that in the life of Callie Ports. She is a sixth grader who confessed Jesus as her Lord and Savior and was immersed and given a brand new life in Christ. Let's celebrate Callie and that decision. Man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm also thankful that this church sent 16 of our church family this morning. They're on their way to Mexico. Uh, they're going to be building a, a, a house this week for a family in need. And they're going to be uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus with those children, that mom and dad in the community. It makes a difference what we do to share hope with people, not only in our backyard, but around the world. How many of you boys and girls went to VBS this summer? Raise your hand. You went to VBS. Do you remember we, uh, we shared some of our VBS offerings with this family? So this week, while the church is really endorsing that, that the building of the house, the children of this church gave offerings to support the things that go in the house, like pots and pans and pillows and blankets, uh, the things that they need to make their house a home. So I want to celebrate from uh, the oldest in our church all the way to the youngest at VBS. You're making this mission trip happen this week. Let's praise God for that. 
Let's pray right now for this, this group as they travel. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity for this, this group of people to build this house. I thank you for the children giving uh, their gifts and offerings to help them make it a home by putting things in it that they can use and keep them safe and warm and also uh, just to have a place they can uh, fill uh, like it's, it's, their, it's their place forever. Father, help them to trust Jesus most of all forever. Uh, be with them and give them safety as they work this week and travel. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we do start a new series today. It's entitled, Give Thanks to God for He is Good. That's an understatement. If you ever want to know why we need to give thanks to God, it's because not only is it true that He is good, but He is great. And any good and uh, perfect gift that you receive, it is from Him, and we need to give Him thanks. The kids' ministry has been working on, all month of October, a verse that feeds right into this context from our curriculum, Orange. If you have a child, especially in elementary, all the way down to nursery, they're being exposed to these truths. This is the main memory verse for this week. Go ahead and put it up on the screen. If you are in elementary, would you stand with me? We want to teach it to the adults this morning, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. So if you know this verse, Psalms 139.14, stand up with me. And we're going to kind of go through it a phrase at a time. Uh, boys and girls, we're going to uh, say it together, the beginning, uh, like a phrase at a time, and then I want the adults to say it after us, okay? So they're going to repeat after us. So I'll start. For uh, Here we go. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful, and I know that full well. Awesome. Psalms 139, 14. Hey, give the kids a round of applause. In all honesty, I had a little helper first service, and it went much better than I just did it, okay? Um, but our children have put that message in their heart this week. That is something that we can celebrate, we can praise God for, how he's made us. We start this new series today, though, and I'm excited. Boys and girls, does anybody know what today is? It's Halloween. I'm not opposed to Halloween. I think many of the things that we can do with our friends and family are positive on Halloween. But I get excited in the fact when much of the world is kind of caught up in darkness and death and some of the scary things and full of fear, we as brothers and sisters in Christ can celebrate light, life, and hope through Jesus and his resurrection. Amen? Amen. It, it is a positive thing. We can rejoice in that. Our world has become infatuated with Halloween. Do you know we're going to spend over $10 billion with a B on Halloween this weekend? It's not really uh, neither here nor there. It just means that so many people are focused on what Halloween can do. And I, I'm all in favor of having fun with that. But the core message of Halloween that gets us confused about there is power in death and people get wrapped up in that. But that power offers no hope. That power is a reality of this dark world that, if we're not careful, can distract us and deceive us from what God is doing. So today, on this day that is often full of darkness, I want us to be uh, reminded of the confident power we have through Jesus that we sang about already. That that same power that lives in us was in him and made him arise from the dead. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8. He says, and it's a rhetorical question really, he says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he says, if that were possible, 
He who raised Christ from dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. There's where that song comes from. The same spirit that made Christ alive is living in you today. And I pray that you know that truth. There is no greater power uh, than the power that is alive in us in Christ. While the world will will deceive us and let us have moments where we wonder if we're going to make it, if we wonder if darkness is stronger uh, than the hope we have, the truth of God's word lets us know that there's no greater power than that is alive in Christ. And we can celebrate that resurrection every day, including on Halloween. So let's go back to that resurrection story. This is going to feel a little bit like Easter. Turn with me and your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. If you want to pick that up, it's going to be on the screen as well. But we see the resurrection story. The resurrection story is in all four Gospels. The Gospels are uh, the books of the Bible where it tells the life of Jesus. And at the end of each of those is, is this declaration that Jesus did arise and overcome both sin and death. And so that's where we pick up that, that Sunday morning in Matthew chapter 28. It says this, early on Sunday morning. As the new day was dawning, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I love that translation, but I grew up with the NIV, and the NIV says something like this, early on Sunday morning while it was still dark. And that's going to always be stuck in my heart. It's what I memorized. This morning when I woke up and I left the house at quarter to six, it was one of the darkest days I've seen in a long time. Uh, There there was no... um, Stars in the sky, uh, the moon wasn't out, the sun wasn't up yet. There was this fog in the air this morning, and it was dark. And in those moments of darkness, you don't even want to really move at times. It feels like you can just get stuck. And that may have been where these uh, ladies were at on that first Sunday morning. It says, the new day was about to dawn, but while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. That took a lot of faith. Not that Jesus would have been alive. They were going to go there to take care of his body. You talk about trusting God to provide. In the middle of darkness, they went to honor Jesus. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. There's an exclamation point there. That's that's an understatement as well. All of a sudden, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of the silence, a huge earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. That's That's what made the earthquake. Rolled aside the stone and set on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards, these were the Roman guards, shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a a dead faint. They passed out. I think because of the earthquake, because of the lightning from the angel's face, these guys, which which would have been some of the strongest men in all of the region, they, they just passed out in fear. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Here's the first marker for the day. The angel right from the beginning says, okay, yeah, Jesus was crucified. Do you know what that means? He was killed. He was put to death. Crucifixion was not something you could go through and be tortured and not die. Crucifixion ended in death. Says he, he was crucified, but he isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. Here's the second thing I want you to see we're going to talk about today. Not only did he die, the tomb was empty on that morning. You can come and look, come and see where he once was. He's not there. He is gone. He is risen. It's empty. And now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. We're going to see that today, that they saw him. Remember what, remember what I've told you. 
The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened. Okay, that, that's an interesting thing. They're still, I think, their hearts are racing. They're overcome with um, anticipation. They were frightened. It means they were afraid. We can't get past that. But also filled with great joy. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you were a little terrified but also full of joy. I think maybe uh, the closest I can be to that is whenever maybe uh, uh, Tiffany was giving birth. You know, when our children were coming to the world, I was terrified, you know, and I wasn't doing anything. But I also had great joy. This is a very strange place to live with fear but also joy. And they rushed and gave the, uh, they rushed and gave the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. Interesting. Before they even got there, Jesus greeted them. Look what it says in the text. They ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. This is one thing we need to know. Jesus died and was risen physically. It wasn't just a spiritual ghost. He wasn't just a, a mystical image. They held on to his feet. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell the brothers to leave for Galilee, and I will see them there. That morning, uh, when Jesus arose, darkness was defeated and death was put to death. And in that, our hope was born that changes everything. Paul writes this, and I, I want you to hold on to this hope this morning because the resurrection is what powers our hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not even through our own personal prayer. Our hope is powered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Period. And we need to grasp hold of that today. Whether you're a young boy or, or, or a girl or maybe you've been a believer for 80 years, we need to have our confidence shored up in the resurrection. Paul writes it this way. Paul says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. I think that's a beautiful image. My prayer is for your hearts to be flooded with light today. We've lived in a world the past uh, almost two years that is full of division and darkness. And Paul says through Jesus Christ, our, lights, our lives can be flooded with light. On the midst of a day like Halloween where darkness is often celebrated, my prayer for you is your, your soul and your heart to be full of light. That you can understand the confident hope that he has given us, those he's called. His holy people, that's who you are, guys who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Paul says, I also pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul says, I pray that you know that power. I think it's really hard for us to know that power. I get excited about power of engines, maybe uh, things we see in nature. God's power goes beyond that. Uh, the word here for power that Paul wants us to know is dunamis. It's a Greek word that, that specifically equated with God's power. It's where we get our word, our English word. Does anybody know what dunamis, uh, where English word we have? What is, what is it? Dynamite. Dynamite. That's right. Has anybody been seeing the commercials on like... Late night TV with the guy that used to say dynamite. He, he's, he's doing like a new thing for like Medicare. He's like, check it out. And then at the end, he goes, dynamite. The first service was with me. You guys aren't, aren't with me on that. JJ, okay. Dynamite is this idea, uh, this power that can change lives, can move anything. We use dynamite the last hundred years to move mountains. 
Dynamite changed the way we built America. The, the world was changed by dynamite. But it, its root word, it, its true meaning was the power that came from God that raised Jesus from the dead. And it powers our hope. But without resurrection, there is no hope. That's really our theme verse today that we need to wrestle with. I pray that you know that power, but without it, there is no hope. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. This is the key uh, verse that we have to wrestle with from Core 52 this week. Paul says, If Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Pause right there for a second. This is a, this is a pivotal point. Paul is willing to wrestle with this. If Christ did not raise from the dead, what I've committed my life to is Paul and myself as a pastor has no meaning. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, anyone who's believed in him and has died is lost forever. Look what it says. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. He says, if Jesus didn't do what he said, the, the, we're the fools. We're to be pitied. If Jesus didn't die and raise them dead, everything that we believe in is futile here at Hersher Christian Church. If, if Jesus didn't rise, uh, raise from the dead, these shirts really mean nothing. Without the res resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sin. Look what the scripture says in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sin. And while some of you here today, and I'm fine with this, are wrestling with the question Paul's asking, maybe Christ didn't raise from the dead. Here's the bad part about that. I know you're a sinner. I know you've made mistakes. I know you've chosen your will beyond what would help others. And in that, that, that is a, a sinful action. In that, there is no forgiveness of sin if Christ has not been raised from the dead. And we are all sinners, saved by grace. But if, if Jesus didn't raise, there is no grace to be shared. But we do believe that through Christ's pure sacrifice, our sins are not just covered over, they are removed. If the sacrifice is fake, if the resurrection was faked, then what we've been doing for some 2,000 years as a movement globally is fake. But today I want to share with you four facts that can give us confidence in the resurrection uh, these facts come not only from the Bible, because I know the Bible in and of itself is not enough to, to support many people's uh, trust in that. So it's with historical document and, and, and testimony of, of hi historical people that point to the reality of the resurrection. So whether you're 88 or you're 8 today, please dial into these four truths that you can hold on to. The first fact of this is Jesus did die by crucifixion. There is very much a historical evidence, not only through God's word, but through other hist historians that Jesus died by crucifixion. It was very much of an understood practice, and it was brutal. The authors wrote about it. That our, 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 the way we record time is affected by Jesus' death. The Roman soldiers that were put in charge of it, of the crucifixion, were professionals. Last night, one of my boys went to one of those Places where you go through a maze or through different corridors and you pay people to scare you. Anybody ever been to one of those like haunted mazes or haunted houses? Man, uh, one time Tiff and I went before we had any kids and this person in Bloomington, Illinois came up to me and like was right on me. And, and he, they made a promise not to touch you, but he scared me so much I almost laid him out. Okay, I was, 
you know, it, it was scary. I don't like those places. But one of my boys went, they are professionals. They spend all year long thinking about how they can scare us. And they're good at what they do. Guys, the professionals were the soldiers who were committed to, to killing people, not only torturing them, but the end of crucifixion was death. Jesus was whipped to almost to the point of death. Uh, then they put a crown of thorns on his head. Then they nailed him to the cross where he labored to breathe. And at the point fulfilling scripture, instead of having a bone broken in his body, they took a spear and uh, rammed it up into his chest cavity. And when they pulled it out, both blood and water came out, signifying, if you're a, a physician, that his heart or the membrane around his heart had ruptured. And he had died before that point. And they were satisfied about that. They were professionals. Jesus died on the cross, and we can have certainty about that. Second thing is, we can know that he arose and left the tomb empty. The Bible tells us that the place where Jesus was laid was a new tomb. A tomb that had been donated for people that wanted to show honor to Jesus, and no one had ever been laid there. So the location was very specific. It was also very specific that there were soldiers placed outside the tomb to guard the tomb. So by no stretch of the imagination would anybody be able to steal the body. And yet Jesus, by his own power, uh, stole death from the grave and made it into new life. There's no confusion about where he was buried. There's no confusion about what the soldiers saw. But they made up a story. Look back to the text, the very next verse in Matthew 28, 11. This is the part of the story where we often gloss over. Remember, the women have just been told uh, to go tell the other disciples they're running there. On the way, they meet Jesus. But while the women were on the way, look what it says. Some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. They told the chief priests, hey, we were there. This angel came, and all of a sudden, the stone was rolled away, and we looked inside. Uh, after we passed out, we looked inside, and he was gone, and we came straight to you to tell you everything that we'd done. We, we did our very best. There was nothing we could do. They told him everything that happened. Notice this. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan. This is where deception started, even that first morning. They gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. It was a story. If this report gets back to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circ uh, circulated among the Jews till this very day. Guys, on the very first Resurrection Sunday, stories started going out to dismiss and bring darkness to the resurrection of Jesus. And they will continue until Christ returns. And many people will be deceived. But I want you to know, uh, Scripture tells us that from the beginning, the world wanted to suppress the power of the resurrection. But it can't be suppressed. It, it can't be held back. Uh, stories will continue to, to make it a muddied up situation, but God's truth continues to go out. Here's another way we know the power of the resurrection. The followers of Jesus saw him alive. We know the first people that saw him alive were these women. They were honored by their desire to honor Jesus. And they, they were able to grab his feet and worship him. And, and, and they heard firsthand, don't be afraid. And, and then we know he appeared before the disciples. And we know that Thomas was able to touch his hands so his faith might grow and his trust in Jesus would grow. Other places in scriptures, we see that large crowds saw Jesus at the same time teaching them and 
just being with them. Some 5,000 people, not excuse me, 500 people saw him at one time. People said, well, that the early Christians believed so much of Jesus alive, they hallucinated, they saw like images, and they were fooled into thinking that. Some people have said, well, they kind of hallucinated. Guys, there will be a lot of things that people see tonight on Halloween, but here's what I want you to know. 500 people don't all hallucinate the same thing, the same person saying the same thing at the same time. It doesn't happen. It is great testimony that Jesus is alive. They saw him ascend into heaven. People saw Jesus. But here's the fourth thing that gives great testimony. It may be the most powerful testimony. The church was born. You are a testimony to this day, at this time, in the midst of a dark world, that Jesus arose because people are still believing it. You know, the first people that saw him, uh, here's another thing. Not only did they see him, they were so willing to confess and and give testimony that Jesus is alive, they died uh, to tell others that he lived. And in that testimony, the church began to grow. Uh, 50 days after Jesus was crucified, in the same town he was crucified... The church was born. It's the day of Pentecost. Uh, The disciples had, through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in all different languages so people could hear about the good news of Jesus. And people began to rush towards them knowing. uh, Remember at first they were like, well, they must be drunk. And Peter's like, it's early in the morning. They're not drunk. It's the Holy Spirit. And they they testified that Jesus lived a perfect life and he was crucified. And then on that day, 3,000 Jews... Gave their life to Jesus, knowing that the one they crucified was the one that was risen. He was the Messiah. 3,000 people did it on that very day. And now you fast forward 2,000 years later and there's countless millions of people, including many of you that have said, we believe that Jesus died and rose again and I have overcome sin and death through him and his power. You know, another proof of the, uh, the church and what it's done, that the resurrection is real. Can you imagine the early church, some 3,000 people coming to know Jesus in a, in a moment? You know what they began doing that very next week? They began to meet on Sunday. You know how hard it is to get people to change when they meet for worship? If you're, just imagine, you know. This last year we went from two services to four services. Then we, we didn't meet on Wednesday night. Then we did this. We don't do that just for fun. It, it's difficult. We're trying to make the best decisions possible. And, and there's always pushback. But some 3,000 Jews who had been meeting on Saturday for the past 1,500 years in a moment's notice said, we need to meet on Sunday for worship because that's when Jesus arose. That is proof that people are willing to change. And it happened. What an amazing testimony. But you know how it happened? The Holy Spirit came upon Peter and the other disciples and they preached the message. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 32. Peter says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you have now seen and what you now see and hear. Therefore, let All Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Man, that's tough. That's hard to hear. Peter's saying, God made him who you crucified. It was because of of your choices. Remember, they they were given the opportunity to, to release Barabbas or Jesus, and they cried out, Barabbas, release Barabbas. And they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. 
And Peter's reminding him, this was the guy that you said should die, and now he's risen? And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. What does that mean? They, they, they were sad. They were sorry. And Peter and the other disciples, they asked this, brothers, what should we do? We know this is true. We know that Jesus was put to death. We know he's risen. We've seen evidence of his power today. What should we do? And here's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and all those who are far off. For all whom the Lord, our God, will call. This is the message that is for everyone. I think it's perfect for Family Sunday because at this point, some 2,000 years ago, how many generations ago was this? I mean, you could do the math. It's been many. And, and Peter's saying, this message of hope is for you, your children, your grandchildren, and all those who are far off. They could not even fathom 2021 in Greenville. That's far off. And yet your evidence that Jesus is alive. And it's our responsibility to pass it on to the next generation and our children and our children. And there will be nothing that stops the good news, the gospel of Jesus until he returns. Nothing. Because he is greater than this dark world. Maybe you're realizing that today. What should you do? If you've never repented, if you've never been baptized, that may be very much your next step. Because much like those Jews some 2,000 years ago, we are the ones that crucified him. No, we didn't chant, crucify him, crucify him. But it was because of my sin and yours that he bled on the cross. It was because of our sin that he was willing to be crucified, to be laid in a tomb, and then overcome that obstacle with his power. But have you received it? And let me give you a little hint. While I love your shirts, if you have them on, that doesn't mean you're saved. You know that. You have to at some point say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. Repent and give your life to him and be made new. If you have not done that today, do not wait another day. It would be perfect for the day that is dedicated for death for you to have life and put death to death through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ's resurrection has defeated sin and death. And I love sharing this next statement from the Apostle Paul about death and how we have victory over it from 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to these words. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? For the sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. Uh, make no mistake, there is power in sin and death. And without the power of Jesus, it overcomes each and every one of us. There is power in death. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. I wonder if your heart has been changed at all today. If you're a believer, I hope you've been encouraged. I pray you've been encouraged. If you've never accepted Jesus, man, this is the day. There's no greater things we can thank God for than the gift of eternal life. Jesus was at a funeral. I don't know how many of you have ever been to a funeral. Some of you children may have never done that yet. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. In fact, we had a funeral last night for an awesome lady, Officer Deb. You probably have known her if you've been around Greenville. She was the first female police officer, great woman. She was a servant to the community for 30 years. She recently retired. She thought she had a lot of years of retirement, and then death came like that. But last night, we were not overwhelmed with death or, 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 or mourning, but we had hope of eternal life because Deb accepted Jesus, and she was baptized into Christ right here in this room, guided by many of her friends, and I celebrated that last night. 
But there will be a time when all of us will be surprised by death, each and every one of us. And unless Christ is your Savior, there is no hope. There was a funeral in the New Testament that Jesus went to. It wasn't for Deb, it was for Lazarus. His friend Lazarus had died, kind of unexpected. And Jesus, for divine reasons, because he was bigger than us, said, I'm not going to the funeral right away. He waited about four days, the Bible says, until he went to the funeral. If you go to a funeral for a dead person and they do not go to a funeral home to, to be taken care of, you can all imagine how much of a difficult situation it is for a dead body after four days. Let's talk about a scary thing. And when Jesus finally showed up to honor his, his, his friend, Mary, which was also a, a friend of Lazarus, kind of got on Jesus. She said, Jesus, if you'd have only been here, Lazarus would still be alive. I know you have the power to keep him alive. And Jesus is like, Mary. Here's what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus saying, I not only can keep people alive, but even if they die, they can have life. And Jesus looked to her and says, do you believe this? And while Lazarus is still dead, she says, yes, I believe. We know the rest of the story that Jesus not only raised Lazarus from the dead physically, that it was a great testimony that he can raise us all spiritually. But the question is the same. That he asked Mary, that he asked you, and I'm going to ask you that today. Do you believe that Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one that raised from the dead, do you believe that? Because if you do, no matter if death comes, we can have hope. No matter in the darkest morning of, of Halloween or, or, or the worst night of your depression, nothing can overpower you because of the love and, and power in Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? There is no greater thing to be thankful for than the hope of the resurrection because it changes everything. Have you received that? I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to sing a song of decision right now, and it's going to be a song that the, the kids know, and I hope that you know as well. We sang it at VBS. It's a song that says, declares that Jesus is mighty to save. And the reason he's mighty to save is he was willing to die. Maybe you're home today, and you've tuned in for the first time, maybe for a long time. Maybe you're here in the room for the first time. The God we worship uh, has... This son, Jesus, and his power is the only power that's mighty to save. And we invite you to trust him and, and accept him in that. Maybe today you do need to repent. Maybe it's your day to be immersed in baptism. If you have a decision to make, man, I'd love to take that next step with you, and, and we can do that together. Would you stand as we declare that Jesus is mighty to save? Let's sing.